when Adam and I said we were going to go into business with each other, our friends and family were like, are you nuts? Like, this is the fastest way to kill a friendship. I think the the opportunities for friction are virtually unlimited. I think it's how you respond to them and how you deal with them emotionally. For us, we do not want to treat this partnership to be two companies. It shouldn't be two separate teams, two separate... We do not want to be restricted by location, geography or distances or stuff. Welcome back to the Fifth Wave Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young editor-in-chief of coffee business magazine, Fifth Wave. And today, we're going to be talking about business partnerships. Running a coffee business has never been easy, but it certainly gets easier if you have the right business partner. The question is, who should you choose and how best to work together? Because for every partnership that succeeds, there are so many that do not. In this episode, we're exploring three successful business partnerships that have stood the test of time to glean some of the secrets of success. We speak with Keith Chua and Su Yong Yun of Bean Brothers, a Korean Malaysian artisan coffee chain, to understand how Keith entered into an existing partnership and then expanded the brand into a completely new market. In our conversation with Stephen Makatonia and Jeremy Tors of Union Hand Roasted, we get an insight into how they cope with the day to day stresses of being both business and life partners. But first up, we're speaking with Amber Jacobson co-founder of Partners Coffee Roasters. Back in 2012, Amber went into partnership with fellow Australian Adam Boyd and created a coffee company in New York City. Instead of creating a brand from scratch, they licensed Toby's Estate brand, one of Australia's first and largest specialty roasters. After eight years in partnership, they had grown the business to six cafes, a wholesale roastery business, serving hundreds of accounts, and just before COVID, they rebranded as Partners Coffee Roasters. In this conversation, Amber talks about her business partnership with co-founder Adam, how they complement one another, and how their different synergistic skill sets have helped them to navigate a successful decade together, including tackling COVID. Welcome, Amber. Thanks, Jeffrey. So Amber, where did you meet your business partner, Adam? So hilariously, Adam and I grew up around the corner from each other in Australia and we went to preschool together. It makes everyone laugh that I went to school with Adam's wife. I was a bridesmaid at his wedding. My brother was the best man. And how did you decide to go into business together? We came together because I was actually living in the US at the time and he was looking at something new to do and I was looking at something new to do. And he said, look, I'm thinking that, you know, maybe there's a play for coffee in America in specialty. It seems like it's an opportunity where Australia is ahead of it. I thought about it briefly and said, yes, I'll join you on that adventure and shook his hand and off we went. So 2012, we opened our first roastery. I wonder if you might want to just talk about the 10-year journey and how the partnerships evolved as well. Yeah, look, when we launched, like we were just punks, total rookies. We worked with the Toby's Estate brand. We licensed that to start with because what we knew was we didn't know anything. And I think that was one of the good things that we did and one of the bad things we did because it allowed us access to origin. But we had the business model all wrong. We had geared up for wholesale in a market that we thought was less competitive than it was. And we bled cash from a wholesale perspective, like nobody's business. But in saying that, it did take us two years to become net positive. 
But the first two years were incredibly challenging and we were strapped for cash on a daily basis. The flip side of that was we opened a retail store that was incredibly successful from day one and we got that right. And and that was lucky. So we had cash flow. And I think that's the number one thing that we learned in the first two years is cash flow is king because wholesale partners pay slowly, but retail customers pay on the day. We had some early wins and we were as hungry as can be. And I think that by year three, we'd really hit our strides and actually had a business that was worth talking about. And 2019 for us, we decided to rebrand our business from Toby's Estate to Partners Coffee. And that was basically trying to run your business as well as creating a new brand and managing so many stakeholders. And I think we did a fine job. I don't think we did the best job and things were really looking up in 2020, but then obviously COVID. In the beginning, how did you decide to structure the responsibilities within the business? When Adam and I said we were going to go into business with each other, our friends and family were like, are you nuts? Like, this is the fastest way to kill a friendship. And I think Adam and I were pretty naive about that, but we were lucky because we are completely different people with different skill sets, but have the same ideas about what we want out of our business. I sweat the small stuff. Adam doesn't. Adam is technically minded and can sit and read the manual. I can't. Like I can do sophisticated Excel spreadsheets, but I'll get to the end and get the number and Adam have worked it out on a piece of paper, but he won't have all the data. I think that you need to have someone you like, someone you respect, and someone who really brings something different to the table to make it work. But that being said, we talk every day. Ad nauseum, we, I mean, we sat next to each other for 10 years uh, until COVID. And it was kind of weird. Like we would just actually call ourselves up on a meet and uh, just leave it open as we talked throughout the day so we could chat to each other like we were still in the same room. But we have from time to time, you know, we take holidays and we do things. And it's really great having a partner that you can rely on so that you can take some time off or you can have something bad happen to you or something good happen to you and you can actually enjoy or participate in life. And I think that's a lot of the time when partnerships fail is just not having the same goals. And Adam's and my goal was always the same. It has changed a thousand times. And this year alone, I mean, we keep on saying no decisions can be made in a year like we've just had in 2020 and 2021. But we we make a decision together and we go, this is the best we can do at the time. And then, you know, three months later, we kick our own asses, but we don't blame each other for our mistakes because there's been lots of them. I think that also being in a partnership, you have to allow the other person to have their opinion. You just have to. Otherwise, you may as well do it alone. And I've done it alone on businesses before and it sucks. It just sucks. Let's talk a little bit about the COVID impact on your business. Must have been quite dramatic. Yeah, look, the reality of losing all revenue streams overnight. And, you know, we had 100-ish employees and, you know, we fired 60 of them on one day because there was nothing for them to do. And furloughed basically must have been 60% of our our wholesale and Mm. literally ran our business with a few key players who did everything from bag coffee to pick coffee up. So I think Adam and I, we were basically just working in our business, bagging, labeling, shipping, stacking shelves at Wegmans, delivering, hand delivering to Whole Foods in our cars and things like that, because it just literally the business had to stop overnight. And we were able to find new revenue streams through a number of new distributors. 
And as happenstance was, we now have this thriving direct-to-consumer business, which has basically taken the place of of our wholesale business because our wholesale business and our retail business were basically 50-50 and e-com and grocery was probably about 5 to 10% of our wholesale business. And it's now that that side of the business is like 50% and retail and wholesale are 25-25. So what would you say the future is going to look like, let's say the next 18 months? We're really focused on adapting to this new playing field of selling coffee direct to people's homes. Um, Also trying to get further distribution into different markets nationally. So the West Coast and and into the middle of America, because we have a great partnership with Whole Foods. We're in 50 plus Whole Foods. And that certainly has been a revenue stream that we have thanked on a daily basis. Yeah. And and so obviously this has been a very successful partnership. You know, you've had to deal with a lot of challenging situations, just the launch of the business, a rebrand and, and now COVID, but you've come through it, it seems stronger than ever. What, what would you say are the real keys to a successful business partnership? I think you have to be really aware of your strengths. And I think that's one of the things that I didn't have before this partnership is I really wasn't that aware of what I was really good at and what I wasn't good at. And the ability to say, no, I'm not good at that and have a business partner is like, okay, well, you're not good at it, but I'm not good at it. So who's going to take it? Like being able to muddle through that because you can't be good at everything. You know, I say all the time, it's, you know, butcher, baker, candlestick maker. You can't be all three. You can only pick one. And in a partnership in that scenario, you can only get two. So you're always having to hire outside smarts or always trying to find a new way of doing this third component to your business. And how you divvy that up in your partnership is really the key to your success, I think. Amber, thanks so much for your time. We now speak with Stephen McAtonia and Jeremy Tors of Union Hand Roasted. Union is one of the largest specialty coffee roasters in the UK. But Stephen and Jeremy's story actually stretches back to Paolo Alto in 1994. Before coffee, Stephen had earned a scientific PhD and was working as an immunologist. Jeremy, the noisier of the two, was an optometrist. After discovering high-quality coffee on the West Coast, they brought the concept back to the UK, setting up a roastery that was eventually acquired by Starbucks following its acquisition of Seattle Coffee Company in the late 1990s. In 2001, they set up Union, and today the company supplies cafes, supermarkets, and consumers directly. What's interesting about Stephen and Jeremy's business partnership is that they are also life partners. In this conversation, we discuss how mutual respect and taking time to truly listen to one another has helped them stay in business and life partners for over 25 years. We pick up the story when they first founded Union Coffee 20 years ago, with Stephen talking first. So you're now Union Coffee, 20-year anniversary coming up, is that right? Have we already hit the 20th? This year, yes. This year? Yeah. Where is Union now? You're a much bigger business than when you began. Indeed, that's quite true. Still operating at the quality of the market. Absolutely. And I think to know where we are now, or to appreciate that, we have to look at where we started. Because back in 2001, in fact, we recognized that world coffee prices were incredibly low. And also, we had traveled to Latin America and seen the impact of that on communities. The you know, low prices were having devastating effects on the economic circumstances, not just of farmers, but also their workers. And 
it just seemed insane to us because we saw from the consuming side, people wanted to drink great, great quality coffee. And yet that didn't translate through to any benefit to the producers. And that's where we conceptually came up with the idea, well, there has to be a better way to trade, a simple way, just negotiate prices directly with farmers. You know, what does it take for them to cover their cost of production, make a profit, sustainable pricing? And that's really where Union came from, to be able to create that bridge for great quality coffee, but ethical sourcing. And I'd like to think that we've maintained that and developed that you know, right the way through to where, where we are now. Yeah, and I think the, the key point in what Stephen's just saying is you can choose to pay higher prices to be a kind of a good egg and treat people nicely. But that's only ever going to be a charitable program unless there's, as people say, what's in it for me? What's in it for the producer? Well, yeah, higher income, but if a charity moves on, then they're back in the same place they were. We realized that it had to be about producing better quality coffee. How do you divide the work today? <laughs> We've taken yeah, largely separate roles. I've been much more focused on our sourcing, relationships with producers and the production side and roasting. I like to stay back of house, really. I'm more comfortable. And Jeremy likes to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be very restrained here. Jeremy's much more customer facing and I think that sits well with both of us. Stephen's sort of training in science has, has been an incredible positive for us. He's incredibly analytic and whereas I tend to come in in the morning with some new flight of fancy, he'll ground me and centre me and we'll talk things through. So we're very much, I think, yin and yang in terms of that your business partners for more than 25 years life partners for that time and beyond mm -hmm. what are the challenges of partnerships working together building a business together how do you make it work basically <laughs> <laughs> it's well i suppose in the early days it's tough getting a business off the ground it is very stressful high levels of anxiety and from that aspect it's been very positive having my life partner as my business partner, you know, you go through those depths of depression where things are really tough and difficult, but fortunately you're out of sync in terms of where well, the other partner is on a high and motivated and they can kind of drag you out of your depression. It means that we have total confidence, total trust. You know, you feel you can discuss anything, however stupid the idea might be, because there's no reason why you'd hold back. Yeah, and I think, you know, we... We know at the end of the day that even if we've had a heated debate, and there have been many, you know, we've had some terrific ding-dongs over the years about various aspects, but you know that it's not just because one is trying to get advantage over the other. The discussions, the arguments of all conversations are for the right reasons. And there was, uh, yeah, one aspect at work, if we would have heated uh, conversations at work, that say, uh, not in front of the children, please. So we have to <laughs> wind ourselves in. Yeah. Yeah. What would be the things that, you know, because obviously you've got to sometimes put your personal life aside and go, right, this is business. We have to make some very tough decisions, whether it might mean making one human being no longer part of the business, or it might mean rationalizing some kind of activity that the other really wants to do. Mm -hmm. What are the things that are more likely to cause sort of friction in a business partnership? 
I think the the opportunities for friction are virtually unlimited. I think it's how you respond to them and how you deal with them emotionally. I suppose there are issues where it may be around sort of the trust that one or the other of us may have around are we pursuing a right track or is somebody doing the best of their ability or and if there's a difference between us then there comes a point at which I think if you're clear about that trust between us then you have to just accept that the other person's view is where you need to leave it whether it's a case of like they say choose your battles i don't know that it's necessarily that but i think in a personal relationship partnership there can be areas of kind of shortcutting where you don't always need to say or vocalize everything because there's such a shared depth of understanding between you that I know if Stephen disagrees me on something and takes a position, I know that there are experiences or reasons that he's had. So you, you don't take it personally, but you gently explore. And as soon as you, you see that clarity, then you respect the other person's view. And that's generally held us in good stead over the years. So I guess one final question to both of you. If you were advising a young set of business partners, life partners, or otherwise <laughs> setting out on a new business. Don't do it. <laughs> what would you, you know, say the, the real, the real secrets to a successful, you know, unified business partnership? I think the secret is that there, there is no secret. It's you have to work with something that excites you and absolutely give you joy and pleasure. You have to put so much effort and energy it can't be about wanting to make money because that's not going to get you anywhere. You have to devote your time and efforts to something that's exciting and pleasurable. Yeah, and I think for me, I would say it's about honesty and it's honesty and truths. There are things that brought Stephen and I together in the first place. And we still value and, and love those things as much as we did in, when we first got together. And I think the business is kind of an extension of that. As Stephen said, you've got to enjoy it. You've got to think there's truth in there. Because if there is no grain of truth there, then what are you trying to get down to? What are you trying to sort of uncover? What sits at the center that's going to keep you together? They say there's the, the big black hole at the center of the universe that sort of keeps everything spinning around. There's got to be something between you in your personal and business life that keeps you orbiting that and wanting to stay around that. It's been a pleasure, Jeremy and Stephen, to be with you here today on the, on the Fifth Wave podcast. Thanks for joining. Thank you very much for hosting us. Thank you. Great. Thank you. It's our pleasure. We're finishing this exploration into business partnerships by speaking with Korean artist and coffee chain Bean Brothers. The company was initially founded by three Korean friends, James, Louis, and Didi, who began creating a cafe co-working space in the late 2000s. They extended their business to become B2B roasters and then tackled B2C with an online coffee subscription service. They expanded further in Korea by opening six cafes. 
And today, we're actually going to be speaking with Keith Chua, Bean Brothers Managing Director for Malaysia, who joined the existing partnership in 2013 to expand the brand into the completely new Malaysian market. Su Yong Yun, Bean Brothers Sales and Marketing Director, also joins us on the call. In this conversation, we get glimpses into how the company tries to bridge the language and cultural differences while running the business as a holistic partnership between their Malaysian and Korean operations. A big welcome to you both. Thank you. So Keith, when you joined Bean Brothers in 2013 to lead the Malaysian side of the business, how did it go working with the three existing business partners? The time when we first spoke and the time that we actually met, we spoke through a Skype call, I still remember. I was at a cafe and uh, we just agreed to have a meeting over Skype to talk about like if we can consider exploring any opportunities to work together and stuff. I think it was about a week or a month after we spoke through Skype. My friend and I just went to Seoul and we met up. Yeah. So we met up and spoke about coffee, about the industry and stuff. And that was the time that I got to know Bean Brothers. When we first met, it was my first time to Korea, actually. It was my first time to Seoul. And the impression that I had, the experience that I had with them is just... They are really nice, very comfortable to be around with, and they are really smart people. Mm. When Bean Brothers was started, I think it was intended to be like a really specialty, premium coffee brand. We see the potential in really good coffees and we want to change the landscape. Like back in Seoul, there were a lot of opportunity, but also the same in Malaysia. The specialty coffee scene has just started. Like it was just one or two years old. So I actually came back to Malaysia and uh, we were in the, on and off, we were discussing about partnerships and stuff like about, I think it took us like, say what, six months. It was a pretty long time. But then we do hit off like really well in the beginning. I really like them. So when six months later, when they say, when we were discussing about the opening of Bean Brothers, having Bean Brothers in Malaysia and... Uh, and with that, you know, obviously looking back at, you know, when you guys were crazy enough to get involved together, you'd only known each other six months. You had decided to, you know, that there was an opportunity in the Malaysian market. Clearly the Malaysian market was a small market compared to an unknown market. What are the secrets to having a successful business partner, especially when you're doing it across a different geography? I think choosing the right partner the first time is... Yeah, like a marriage? <laughs> like choosing the, yeah, choosing the right partner is really important. And um, because Keith approached us when we were in a very initial stage, mm. we were very open to a lot of opportunities. Yeah. And right now, we're not that open to like foreign opportunities. Mm. But we had this long test age because yep. after Keith visited actually in Seoul, our founders and I went to Malaysia and Keith prepared us a, like a coffee industry like trip yep. for us to meet like all of the coffee players in the value chain, like not even just cafes, but like some wholesale brands and what kind of price they're on and what kind of margin and how many players they're on. So we could have this macro view about the coffee industry mm. in Malaysia and then yeah. Keith had some experiences in running a wine restaurant before he entered mm. this coffee market. Okay. He has some experience in F&B and actually <laughs> because our CEO, he's majored in physical education and Keith was a judo player. Oh, right? okay. I was an athlete back then. <laughs> we value like people who did sports before because of their routine and their eagerness to do like daily operation and all of this. And so... 
we had this really long term before actually the Malaysia, you know, cafe opened. We had some time to pretty much know about each other. And we knew that because Keith had spent it like more than a year, uh, like and a half yeah. to just prepare this business. And he was really hands on, you know, in operating like the cafe business in Malaysia. And he was really well prepared to be trained in Korea. So we thought that he would be like really the best guy we could actually have in Malaysia. So obviously business is hard and it doesn't always go to plan. Are there any challenges that you guys faced as business partners or, you know, ideas or differences that you had to work through? It wasn't all busy. Mm. (laughs) So what we're having now is like a long distance relationship, I suppose. (laughs) We we just have to have trust from the both sides. And before we actually get into the relationship, we need to have some foundations together. We need to understand each other we need to like be honest to each other mm-hmm. like um, you, you have to know like how i work and i respect how we work like mutual respect is very important and i'm very grateful for the freedom that we're given to, to how we operate yep. the bean brothers in malaysia bean brothers and so like we meet up really often we, we share like um, soul will actually the admin team is kind of like running the team here as well and i got a lot of feedbacks i got off the ideas we share like how's the market like today how's the market would be like tomorrow so there's a lot of idea exchange that goes on every week because of the market condition of seoul and korea i mean seoul and kuala lumpur it is very different like the direction and priority of the company it might not be the same at this point of time because of what's happening in the market right now. So we'll always be a few steps ahead. And Malaysia is not exactly, we do not progress in a linear progression where, mm-hmm. okay, this is what's going to happen next. This is what's going to happen next. So it could be one, three, seven. So we, we need to be prepared. So that's a lot of insights that's been pouring in weekly and monthly basis. And I think that's what made this partnership relationship yep. that's so interesting i think if you're advising other young new entrepreneurs to get into business and you know they're selecting a, a partner what are the keys to a great business partnership firstly i think it's really important to choose the right person and then secondly i think you should set your boundaries and rnrs and what should be you know decided together and then what should be decided independently. I think this process of decision-making set up prior to moving on is really important. And third, I think it's really important to have some face-to-face like meetings talking Mm. each other. Before this COVID situation, like our founders would visit like KL every like two months Mm. or three months. And then they would have like FaceTime with the team and they would stay around a week to have some time with Keith and all of the team, all of our Burstead team. Keith, your tips for a successful, you know, multicultural business partnership? For us, we do not want to treat this partnership to be two companies. It shouldn't be two separate teams, two separate. We do not want to be restricted by location, geography or distances or stuff. So when we work, like I'm in my set or I mean, we were all in the same team. We are working under the same company. We are in a team. Yep. So I'm here for you. You're here for me kind of thing. So it's not uh, me against you. One it's, team culture. Yes. We don't really call uh, Malaysia and Korea, actually. We address each other as uh, Big Brothers KL, Big Brothers right. BJ. So it's like Big Brothers Seoul. So Big Brothers Hapchong, Big Brothers Gangnam. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a, you know, that's, 
maybe small minor things that we're looking at. Seo Young and Keith from Bean Brothers, thank you very much for being so generous with your time. Thank you for having us and the great talk. Thank you. And that's all this week for the Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to Fifth Wave podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd really appreciate a good rating if you enjoyed the show. Also, get in touch. Tell us what topics are important to you so we can make this podcast more relevant to you and to your business. You can follow the link in the show notes to worldcoffeeportal.com slash fifth wave. This episode was recorded in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, the World Coffee Portal team, James Harper of Filter Productions, and sound engineering by Chris Bristow. And the music you're listening to today is California by Billy Bogard in partnership with The Coffee Music Project. And until next time, stay safe and stay caffeinated. Pass me by